Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the fire. Welcome to the fire, boys. My name is Parker McDonald. And I'm Walter Lee, and we'll be your hosts on this episode of the Southern Collective Hunting Podcast. If you're a new hunter trying to learn the basics, or you're a veteran woodsman just trying to get through your workday, there's always a place at our campfire for you. Speaking of the fire, we would love it if you guys would join our growing Patreon community and be a part of the best and only digital deer camp south of the Mason-Dixon line. Come on. If you'd like to learn more, click on the link in the show notes. But for now, Walt, welcome, welcome to, to the fire. fire. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Southern Collective. My name is Walt, and I'm joined by the two finest hunters from the state of Alabama, Matthew Reeves and Brett Mashburn. Uh, this is our this is our formal recording because we rehearsed this entire podcast seventy two hours ago, and then the recording software crashed. And and uh, this is the benefit to doing things in advance. We talked about all the different things that are coming down the pipe. We now have the breathing room to record an entire episode, a banger of an episode, and then turn around and record it again and get it out to you guys uh, by Tuesday. Uh, unfortunately, P. Dizzle McDonald will not make it to this episode. He is too busy chasing uh, velvet whitetails right now to join us. But, gentlemen, the season has kicked off for two-thirds of this podcast tonight. Matt's kicked off really, really well. So, before we get to the Matthew Reeves show, Brett, what's what, what are you doing in your, in your world to get ready? I know you got a baby on the way, but <laughs> you got to be doing something. I know you too well to know you're just sitting around twiddling your thumbs. Honestly, I'm at the moment I've been doing a lot of last minute stuff getting ready for this baby, but I pretty much have what I want done already done. I have my scouting's all done. My cameras are set up uh, where I want them set up 
for when that shift happens, when people start hunting. So I'm ready to go in that aspect. I just not exactly sure when I'm going to get out, but I'm ready. That's for sure. I hear you, man. I'm ready to, I'm ready to get back out there. I did, I did a fair amount of scouting. The cool thing about having done this again is I've now actually hunted. And so, um, I did a lot of in-season scouting, went and found my first shed in a long time. I'm walking through the woods and I look down, I'm like, it's a weird looking stick. And I take two more steps and I went, there's no way that is not what that is. And I take two, two steps and look back and I see that tine sticking up. I'm like, no. And I walk over there. Uh, it's about 80 or 60 inches one side. And then if you take the deductions, which I don't believe in deductions, it's about a 22 inch um, <laughs> antler. But, <laughs> um, I'll just squirrel uh, deductions. Well, squirrel deductions. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's what, I love finding sheds, man. If that's if that's one thing that I enjoy most about scouting is being able to find a shed. And it's hard. It's hard to find them down here where we're from. Yeah, unless you're bread. Bread. Is, is it? Is <laughs> it? We don't you have gotta, you got to be out hours. there. You we have to be out there to find them. Just saying. <laughs> we need a shirt. That says gross gross measurements are for hunters, like nets are for squirrels. And it's got like an antler that's just chewed off by squirrels or something like that. I mean, that would be that'd be too funny. But um, boys, we before we get into this, we had something happen very recently that I feel like warrants a discussion. We talk all the time about the value of Patreon and what goes what what you get in that arena. You heard it in the intro. We have a digital deer camp. We pour, we invest so hard into that group. There is so much to be had over there. And we're, we're the three of us on this podcast, we're not even talking about what we contribute. I mean the 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 group members invest in people in a way that is just unreal. Um before we recorded the show, Todd shot his first deer and with a bow. With a bow. Um, from the ground and the group rallied around him. We had seasoned deer hunters. We had seasoned blood trackers. We had seasoned uh, just all walks of life, just throwing immense amounts of information at him in real time so that he could go out there and potentially recover that animal. And and so far he hasn't, Um, but you, you got to see an evolution of a hunter as he just gets all this information. He summed up the the evening by saying, I can't wait to go back and watch all these again because I got a notepad and I'm taking notes, right? I mean, that is that community is crazy valuable. So if, if you enjoyed Matt's most recent video, if you enjoyed a lot of the videos we've been putting out, one of the ways that we help pay for that is through Patreon. But we try really hard to make Patreon a value-driven arena. Um, that was on full display today. And I just felt compelled to give Todd a shout out. Keep your Keep your spirits high. You'll be listening to this the day after that happened. Don't stop hunting, Matt. I mean, you basically told him he's got the best, the best testing arena. Yeah. Best, best spot to learn. I mean, if you're a first time bow hunter, you're the hardest part is getting in front of a deer. And, uh, he, he's got the deer figured out and they're there. So learn, learn from it. Take advantage of it. Don't, uh, don't shy away from it because it's there, you know, own it, kill one. And I, when he, when he sent that polo this morning, I was, I was pumped, you know, and everybody in the polo was pumped. But, um, like you said, just to see how everybody kind of, you know, if he had a question, he was getting an answer in no time. And I think at one point he, he kind of, I think he had to go back to working or something. We were all like begging for an update because we were so excited for him that we wanted to, you know, we wanted to see his success. So that's, that's a great thing about, about that community. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm I'm really happy about it. I was really proud the whole time I'm at work, you know, between calls, I'm like checking up on 3x speed, just trying to to stay fresh as all of them pour pour in. Um, and I was just so happy to see so many different people for, with so many different experiences invest in Todd. And it's only, it's not a matter of if he kills a deer and recovers it. It's only a matter of time. Like you said, he's got the opportunity. So, um, speaking of opportunities, Matt, you had the opportunity of a lifetime. That's what we're here to talk about. We're talking yep. about, we're talking about the kind of deer that when you walk into the taxidermist bill, you don't even hear the price when he tells you what it is. You just hand him your, your credit card and say, swipe it twice if you have to. Yep. Um, start us off at the beginning. Cause actually you might have already heard the beginning. If you've been listening to the <clears throat> podcast, we dropped a live from the, from the fire, uh, episode that summarized your preseason scouting for, for anybody who hasn't got to there yet. Kind of give them the, the rundown on, on how this kicked off, man. Yeah, so last year was my first year hunting Kentucky, and uh, it, it pretty much whooped me uh, for the most. I said, "Well, I say whooped me." I had a lot of really close encounters. Like I was around the deer, I was just missing, you know, that twenty more yards to be in range of them. So I set out this summer with my buddy Andrew. We made a trip up there, so we were going to go scout, um, see what we could find, put out cameras. I think we ended up putting around thirteen between me and two other guys, and. Um, Got up there, put our cameras out, confirmed a lot of stuff we were wor- wondering about. And I uh, had one area that I always kind of intrigued me. And on the last afternoon, we drove through there and we ended up seeing three bucks. Well, I was plumb out of cameras, so I didn't put a camera up that way. I just kind of put it in the back of my brain like, hey, if I if none of this other stuff works out, you know, this is kind of where I'll um, where, where I'll lean. So, um Fast forward, I think that was in July, we uh, head up for the opener. Um, our, expect, our, our expectations weren't as high as last year because, I mean, if you watch any TV show, it's like set up on a bean field, big buck's going to come out, you're going to shoot it. That's kind of what we thought in the first year. And you know, I think a lot of people um, think that. But um, we go up there, and I said, well, I'm going to scout. And to kind of backlog a little bit, all of our cameras started off hot. And they all went dead except for one of mine. I was having bucks pretty pretty regular in there. We we actually got a opportunity at a buck um, the second evening, but that kind of it was a hard situation, and whatnot. But um, we get there, I get dropped off, I start scouting. I walk up in that area. There's an old grown up field. I have two bucks in front of me at forty yards. See that? And um, my buddy ended up actually shooting one of those the second evening, so he killed his first velvet buck. He's also a Patreon as well. His name's Matthew Holland. If you listen to this, Holland, we appreciate you, man. But um, anyways, I'm scouting that. Well, I decided to go watch a field right at last lot. And, I mean, when I say last lot, you can barely see with your binoculars. And um, ended up three deer were out there. One had a really big body, but his head was down in in the field, and I couldn't really tell what he was. Well, he finally picked his head up, and I could tell he was a really good deer. Like, I mean, 200-plus pound body. Like, he had to have some good headgear on there. Well, there were two other deer that were with him that kind of stayed on the field edge. He was a little bit out. So uh, I put that in my head, scratched all the plans that I had as far as, you know, the camera that was doing good. I said, hey, I got I to gotta get in this spot um, before all the pressure gets to it. Just got to get in there and see what can happen. So I went back to camp, looked at my map all night, and I really rely on imagery and all that stuff to kind of pinpoint where I'm going to hunt. So couldn't hunt it for an afternoon because the wind was bad. So I was like, well, man, I, I just get in there in the morning and try to catch 
one of these bucks coming back to bed. So wake up that morning, got up really early, got to the gate at like, I don't know, 4, 4.15, something like that, started walking in. And granted, I'm walking in blind to a spot. So it's not ideal to be walking in blind, opening morning to a spot you've never been to. Um, so as, as y'all could probably guess, if y'all's opening morning is anything like mine, it's usually a catastrophe. Nothing goes right. Your headlamp dies. I think, well, you had your headlamp <laughs> down your first time. <laughs> I did. Okay. Yeah. That, that happened to me as well. I forgot to tell y'all that. I'm, I get in there and I walk past the spot. I end up hunting, trying to find better sign, walking down deer trail. And my light just goes dead. You know, my main light. Well, luckily my green light worked and I was able to work my way back to this area that I found. And what, what the area was, it was a, it's kind of like a finger in between two thickets. And there was a gradual point that ran off that finger uh, into a hardwood bottom. And so I figured that there would be a buck that would bed, you know, kind of on that transition line right there in that gradual finger. There was another finger, but it was very steep terrain. Like it was very like sudden. So I stayed out of there, got up, got up at like 530. I think in the video I say I was set at like 537, something like that. And so I'm sitting there in the dark and I hear something walking. I'm like, well, you know, here comes a deer already. I can't shoot it. It's dark. Well, the stinging thing walks right under my, right under my tree. And, um, you know, I don't know if y'all been in this situation, but like you always want to know what's there in the dark and you always like want to, Hey, I'm going to shine my light on my pack to see what's in my pack. And it, you know, wanders over there to where the deer is and you get to see what it is. Well, I told myself I wasn't going to do that just cause I thought the spot was that good. Um, so when I walked in there, I noticed like, why did I hunt this area? One was because of the terrain feature and two was because one of the trails that I found and I found a lot of browse in, in, in the woods themselves because right now acorns aren't really dropping. That's not the hot food source. So did that end up getting in the tree, a couple red oaks started falling. So like that brought my spirits up a little bit about the spot. But if you go back and listen to our bold prediction episode, Walt said that I would kill, what was it? You said I'd kill a buck in the morning. 140. 140 yeah. Yep. And so while my headlamp's dying, I'm going, man, this this bold prediction is ruined. You know, like I'm all, I'm already, this is the first sit. I've screwed it up. I've mucked up the area. It's not going to happen. So anyways, back in the tree and sitting there. I think we I think we were texting a little bit, not much. It was still early. And um, I mean, I had all my stuff set up, put my camera on where I thought I wanted it. Ended up, I need to fix that. Um, but I'm sitting there, and I hear like a squirrel cutting up behind me. And so I just turn around in my saddle um, to look that way, and I'm kind of looking, 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 and I catch a tail flicker on the wood line. And I was like, hey, there's a deer. So I immediately turned around and turned all 74 cameras I have on <laughs> and um, said, hey, you know, buckle up, here we go, because I was shooting – if it wasn't a spike or a forky, I, it was getting shot. So I was, I got prepared, grabbed my bow. Well, when I saw the first deer come off the hill, I noticed it had a really big body. And at the time, it didn't, I wasn't thinking, hey, this is that buck that was bedded or that was feeding last night. That, that did not click in my head. I just knew, hey, this is a big body deer. Be ready. Don't get caught off guard. Um, so as soon as I grab my bow and turn around, the Joker's on my side of the creek already coming up the hill like quick. Um, so I had a S360, 
my GoPro and then my ZV-1. My ZV-1 got caught on me on the saddle because I didn't have my base put in the right spot. So main camera ditched it. I said, I'm not, I'm not ruining this opportunity because at this point I've seen the deer and I've seen his rack and I, he, he was outside the ears. Like, I'm like, okay, this is a good buck. I'm going to shoot him. So he's facing straight towards me walking up. And as he's walking, I go to, I go to full draw and he stops like facing me. And I'm thinking, oh, he, my thermals are pulling down to that Creek. He smelt me. This is about to be, you know, a, a Hail Mary. Um, so the other two bucks that are behind him pushed him a little bit. You know how when deer can be walking, like they're just like slowly walking, then one deer moves quick and it kind of bumps them. Well, that mm-hmm. was the case for this buck. So he bumped and turned broadside and I went, man, and he didn't stop. And I had to do the man again. And he, he stopped and he was just quartering to me a little bit ways. Well, the Joker's at 10 yards. So I'm at full draw, put my pin on him and I, I let one fly. And my arrow went in. I didn't get a pass through. My my knock was sticking up, kind of wiggling as he ran. Well, I'm trying to keep my cool because, one, I just shot the biggest buck of my life. And, two, I got to listen to this thing crash. Like, never never just lose all, you know, sorts of thought when, when you're in that crucial moment. So I'm sitting there and I listen to him. And he, hit, he hits the wood line and then it, it goes, it makes a loud crash and goes silent. And then makes another loud crash. So I go, okay. He dropped. He's dead right there. I was able to celebrate whatever acted the fool. I'm not going to apologize for that because that was pure emotion because that was awesome. I hope all of y'all can experience that. But uh, anyways, I got, I'm up in the tree, call my dad like I always do, talk to him. Um, then I started calling y'all. Um, started telling you what happened, replaying the shot. I'm looking at the shot over the GoPro, like trying to make sure – I made a good shot. Well, bow hunting, you second guess everything after your shot, especially when one's has the arrow sticking out of it. I don't like mm-hmm. that because last year I shot two deer and that happened and I hit the knuckle. One of them, I got the liver. The other one, I just shot in the leg. Like it was no good, but, um, took my time, told myself I was really going to soak in the moment. Like I had Andrew there, I had Holland there, like we we're going to enjoy the whole thing. So fast forward to get down, find some blood and I'm, I look at the first few drops of blood and in the video, I think I go, oh, yeah, he's dead. Like, like I just, I just knew like, and I think, well, I sent you all the, the footage and like, I think you thought it was a shoulder shot. I thought it was a shoulder shot at, at one point. Dude, I, I, so I, I was praising you. I'm just like, dude, congratulations doing your thing. And I immediately swipe up and I go to Parker's chat. I'm like, dude, I hate to say it, but there's way too much arrow hanging out of that deer. Like you could just see it waving. And I'm like, is that 15 yards? The dude's like six foot nine. He's got a draw length of freaking, you know, Zeus himself. You know, there's no way he didn't get a passer. And I was really like, I think one of the reasons why I was so hyped when you called me and showed me you had the deer. My wife was like, you're really overreacting was because for all of that time, I'm just going. Yeah. Like this is going to be terrible if this happens to him two years in a row. Yeah, it's it was rough. And to go back on like the polo stuff, so the guys I call, you know, like y'all, the team, my close friends, all those people, my wife, mom, everybody. But I, I was able to polo everybody, you know, and say, hey, I shot a big buck. And then they're on the edge of their seats for the rest of the morning because none of them were, were hunting at the time. And uh, we uh, ended up, get, you know, sending that. I got down, got Andrew. And I made all of them carry a camera for the recovery. So we had like three camera angles for the recovery. That was a big part of telling the story. And then we um 
ended up, I went and got them. They went ahead and got the deer cart and came in. And um, we start the track. So we start the track. And if y'all see in the video, like he bound like 12 feet at a time. Like yeah. the Joker was moving. Um, and so we get to the wood line and I see where he. Um, what is that? I think he just got drawn for a hunt. I sure did. I didn't. <laughs> you get a buddy pass? Yep. All right. Tell me when. What's it, what do I need to put on Going the out for the highest donations. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll put I'll put my truck on the line. I'll hit a deer for you this time. Brett was Brett was pumped with that. We were doing a little dance. It caught me off guard. I couldn't figure out what he was doing because he was choppy there for a second. I'm like, does he just like crap himself or what? Like, what's he doing over there? Sorry to derail everything, but uh, <laughs> I've been trying to. I got an email saying I want a special opportunity hunt for Alabama. Uh-huh. And I've been trying to check it all day and can't get in. Can't get in. The whole website's been crashed with people, I guess. Mm. And I finally got in and seen what I drew. And Great, uh Well good job, buddy. There's a live a live <laughs> a live moment for you right here on the podcast, boys. Matt, what, what Matt, where were you going with that? Because to be honest with you, I lost it when he started talking about quota permits. Hey, that's all good. No, we we were on the blood we were on the blood trail. And, uh, you know, every blood trail, you kind of hold your breath. Um, even if you hear deer crash or don't, don't see it go down, you just hear it. Um, I've had deer crash and get up and run off, never find them again. But, uh, we hit, we hit like a little thicket wall and it just confirmed that he was about to die. Like there was blood all over the trees where that, from that entrance wound, like just, just really good sign. Well, then he got into like a grass field. Well, I hate tracking in a grass field because, it's hard to see it on the grass and there's so many like l- levels of grass, you know, like mm-hmm. it can hit one blade at the top or hit very at the bottom. You, you just don't know, but we're going to track and I'm, I, I look at, I'm thinking in my head, like I'm going to have to get a dog. Like I'm going to have to get a dog to find this deer because it's just not, it's not panning out. Well, I walk about five more yards and Holland goes, Hey, look, I think there's some blood, you know, there's a good bit of blood on the, those leaves up there. Well, I walk. Well, I don't know what he had, you know, what sense he had, but he decided to put the camera up, like hold it up real high. Well, I walk like two more steps and I say, boys, this is going to be a hard track. And then I walk two more steps and I turn around and look at him. And I said, not until you find him. And he was laying, he was laying right there. So we got really excited together, you know, just to have my buddies there. And I hadn't even walked up on the deer yet. I was just pumped that he was like, I knew he was there. He wasn't moving. He'd been dead for a while. And we walk up to the deer. And the deer grew from what I thought I had shot. Um, he grew a drop time <laughs> of, <laughs> of all things. So to be to be a typical eight point with a drop time and full velvet, like it was just a kind of a whirlwind. Like most deer that I kill, you know, you go to pick them up and you got to like hold their ears to make their rack look big, you know. But yeah. like I'm just I'm just holding holding tines and it's like this thing's you know a monster and. You know, for for a guy from the south, you know, to come there and kill a deer like that, I mean, that was my biggest buck. A lot of people, you know, um, see those deer and, you know, that's just another day for them. But for me, like, I was like, I was stoked because it meant so much from the from the hard work from from last year to previous years, from the sacrifices of my of my wife and my family. Like, it was just a big deal for me in the moment. And I think I think in the video I told my dad or. 
I was on the phone with my dad and I was like, I'm, I'm probably going to get emotional, you know, when I find this deer. And I didn't get emotional when I found the deer. I got emotional when I was walking out of the woods, you know, thinking about what had just happened. Like, man, this is, this is years and years of preparation to, to come to this point and for it to happen on an opening day in Kentucky within the first hour, you know, it was kind of like, man, that hunt just like was put in your hands, but we say it over and over again, like you do have those hunts, but you've earned them at some point along the way. Like mm-hmm. I, I learned that, Hey, I need to be in this spot at this time to catch him coming back to bed because the moon's doing this or the weather's doing this or the pressure's doing this. You know, I, I learned all those things through the years from the mishaps. You Usually when I hunt that deer's at 70 yards walking away from me and I don't get a shot, but I've, I've been able to critique what I've done to get, where I believe the deer is going to go. And it worked out that morning. So we ended up, you know, taking a bunch of pictures, just enjoying it, soaking it up. I think we ended up getting out of there. At like we got back at the place at like 11 o'clock, you know, I shot the deer at 640. So really took our time with it and uh, soaked it up, FaceTime both of y'all and Parker when, when I was at the deer, um, ended up my shot. So we, we were talking about shoulder shot. The deer was quartering to me just a little bit. So, I tucked it right behind its shoulder and what he, I thought he was quartering a little bit. He was quartering a little harder. So there I went right behind his shoulder through both lungs and into his guts and the guts stopped the arrow, but it poked a hole out the opposite side. So he, he was bleeding out of both sides uh, when he, when he hit that field. Um, so, I mean, it, it just took everything out. So I was really impressed with one, how my arrow worked and my broadhead set up and that new carbon one. Um, that was the first deer with the Botech carbon wood, I think, from our crew. Um, we got those bows this year. You know, I, this is my f- first year shooting a Botech exclusively. And, uh, I was very, um, very satisfied with how, how everything handled, how the setup handled. Uh, I had to hold my draw a little bit longer. Um, it just did really good and performed really well for the condition I was in. So, Matt, I've got a couple of immediate questions for you. One, uh, the deer that came through that morning, are you convinced it was that deer? No, because it came from a different direction. Gotcha. Yeah, it, it came from a different direction and went went the way those deer were going to go if they'd have got past me. I got you. Okay. So, my second question for you is, when you, when you went in blind to this area, because I kind of did something similar ish um this past weekend i went into an area that i had only walked through like for a matter of 10 minutes um and it kind of bit me in the butt because i picked out one tree and that tree had fallen over um so i kind of had to hunt on the ground and improvise but when you when you pick that spot was it just as simple as it was a pinch point that just stood out to you what else went into that because there had to be more to it yeah so there was a like I said, it was a gradual slope coming off of a of a ridge, um, and two two different um, uh, stand types kind of met together right there. So we always talk about hunting, you know, transition areas and stuff like that when when you're talking about um, different vegetation, different timber types, all that stuff. So that stuck out to me. And then the one was the browse I found, and then there was a very very heavy trail um, that was about 10 yards from that wood line. And I was like, well, you know, these deer come from this way, which it wasn't even the trail that the deer came from. Um, so that, that really set it out. But what it, 
realistically what it was was that slope right there it was an easy way for those deer to travel to and from and still be protected um it wasn't too much of a strain on their body to you know get up get down through a creek and back up a creek it was more gradual um and it opened up a lot of times i don't like hunting very open stuff i think my furthest shot was about 40 yards but it was just down one lane so but basically while they answered that question it was just a pinch man and you just had to know you know when i say a pinch it's like a 200 yard pinch you know you just got to know where to set in that 200 right. yards and that right and that brow the brows narrowed that down for me um because the further i went there wasn't really anything for them to eat unless there was like a persimmon tree or something in there so i just set up you know where i thought you know, one, hey, if this is an observation set, I may be able to see where they cross on this uh, pinch. But all in all, what these bucks were doing was they were trying to get back to their bed. And I mentioned that he stopped before he turned. He stopped because he was about to walk into an opening and he didn't want to, he wanted to see if there was any danger there. Well, I was thinking 26 foot, you know, up in that, up in a tree. Um, hoping that my wind the way my wind was blowing would not blow where they were coming from which he ended up coming from a direction i wasn't really expecting him to come from but i was telling you about the trails like when i got down i I really observed the area to see like okay where can i duplicate this again why did this buck do this that beat down trail that i saw he mm-hmm. was not on one of those he was just on a random buck trail and that's what i think like a lot of the guys that were hunting this place, they were seeing these beat down trails and setting up on these beat down trails. I don't think the bucks are using that. Um, I think they may be using it later in the season when they're cruising, but right now they're just kind of walking randomly through these areas that they feel protected. Why, why did you feel like you were adjacent to bedding? Like first, like my biggest question is there are pinch points for me. I, I treat a lot of areas in, Georgia as like CRP mentally. It's like they could be anywhere. It's an entire swath of, of, of bedding cover, right? It's just a huge block of timber. And then you'll have these like natural pinches between them. What about that area told you you would be able to catch him going to bed? Was it just simply that there was a pinch in bedding that just told you this was a high opportunity situation? Or was there something else that led you to think that, that particular pinch was close enough to bedding to catch him? Yeah, so I was probably 250 yards from where I'd seen him the night before. Gotcha. And I I knew like that I had a chance because the way I got in there, there was multiple ways for him to feel protected while heading to bed. Mm-hmm. So if he if he had to walk through an opening, he was probably going to walk through that opening right at gray light or in the dark. And he would use those patches of woods as his cover to where he wouldn't be caught out in the open. I got you. That makes that makes a lot of sense. So you you knew that it was proximity to where I got you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I kinda, and I kind of drew a lot like with my mapping, and we had a very good conversation about mapping today in Polo. Like I was using every feature that I had to like, okay, what what would be the quickest area for him to get like a, an escape route from people coming in? Like, what's the quickest way for him to like ditch ditch that pressure? And right there where I was was that area. Gotcha. Did you think about, did you look at it, look at it as in what's the closest bedding or are you looking for like the best bedding? I was looking for the best bedding. There, there was the areas where he could have bedded closer and that's where I wanted to be for that evening hunt. 
um, because I thought so where he was coming out in the afternoon from, you know, I didn't see him come out that afternoon. I just saw him in the field. And so I assumed that he was in the stuff behind him. But I didn't know if he was doing like a lot of times in these early season hunts, they'll be very wind based betting. And I found that out in October at this place. And so I was wondering if he was, you know, go into one bed first thing in the morning, then he moved to another bed, then he moved back to another bed, then being his final bed to then set up very nicely to move into that feeding pattern for the afternoon. So where and where I was, there was multiple opportunities for him to bed. So like when I told you I walked too far from where I was hunting, it got really thick in there. And like he could he could it was thick enough to where you couldn't see into it, but he could see out of it. And he would feel safe there. So he could have bedded there or gone past me and gone to where I, I believe he was headed to. Makes sense. <clears throat> so, I, you know. For, I think I, I want to ask a question, though, real quick. Um, you said wind-based betting. What told you in the past that this was wind-based betting? Because it feels like in some places that they tend to be more wind-based and other places, it seems like people identify other reasons. Like I know of one WMA wind be damned. There are a couple places that there's water and that's where those deer want to be. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I think it's because it swirls. I think it's just because they can put their back to something. What you said, you saw it there previously in October. What did you witness? Yeah. So I hunted there, uh, first i don't know first part of october last year and we actually have a video of it um it's called the buck fest video it's on our our channel y'all can go watch it if you want to i actually end up killing a doe in that video but um i found a spot that was really hot on feed trees and went in there found it at like 12 o'clock went in there at three o'clock got set up had a buck under me at four o'clock then had five more shooter bucks come in and they were all they were all moving off of a north wind i was kind of i used it as a crosswind for me for how i set up i sat down below them and they went above me with that north wind in their face everything worked out perfect except they were at 70 yards through the woods wasn't going to shoot them so i said okay surely they didn't get spooked i said surely they'll do this again the next morning or the next afternoon so i get in there parker went in there with me but he came in from a different direction well while i was getting set up I mean, I haven't even pulled my bow off the tree. A big old buck, he bumped a buck out of its bed from the opposite side. So the wind switched from a north wind to a south wind. And he came from the north the second morning where the bucks, the more, the or evening, my bad. He came from the north that evening where the bucks came from the south the evening prior. So they shifted their bedding, whether it was all of them bedding in the same area or not, that buck was bedded north of me to then come in with a south wind to feed in those oaks. Interesting. So, you know, and I, I put that together as I go. I mean, I didn't, you know, that when I was making my decision to hunt in there, it wasn't like, hey, if it, he has this win, I'm going to do this or that. I, I mean, I just knew he was in there and I needed to capitalize on it at that time. Now, you know, whether he, he changed on that or not, I can't tell you 100%, but I feel like that had some play with it. Do you think if you hadn't had the previous October's experience with that area, you would have made the same call? I think so, uh, because I hadn't had an encounter with him. Um, I, I know those bucks can, you know, 
it any anywhere you are the south midwest that first those first few days is when you catch them off their feet like they haven't been conditioned to where they have to really start thinking hard um of where they're going to bed how they're going to move so you know really those first two hunts are really your best bet to catch them on that regular pattern because that pattern usually changes mm-hmm. brett what you got i see you thinking over there i'm just taking it all in thinking i think i think one of the things i keep hearing in this as a repeatable thing is that there is value in going to the same place different parts of the year and seeing yeah. how it impacts it because <clears throat> there's areas that I'm scouting right now that Matt, you've been helping me break apart. Um, cause I make no qualms about it. I make as much use of this group as, as the patrons do. Right. I'm not a very mm-hmm. good, I'm not a good deer hunter. I've well, said it a hundred times. I sent y'all my pen the night before. Um, yeah. and I was like, Hey, you know, I think I'm going to go into this area. You know, I, I got all good responses from y'all. Um, because you know, you look at it on map, it's like, Okay, that makes sense. But a lot of people aren't going to see that. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are just going to be like, oh, no, that's, you know, no, that's not going to be it. And, you know, that, that's kind of was kind of my whole whole week. I mean, it was me, three other guys, and some guys from Tethered. And, you know, from, from my scouting intel, all the guys that were in my group, we were on bucks. We all got shots at bucks. You know, so mm-hmm. being able to get in there, one, do the summer scouting. I know it sucks. You get seed ticks, you get ticks, chiggers, all that. You know, I got scabs all over me right now. I look like I'm on some hard drugs or something, but um, it pays off. You know, would you would you get a thousand chigger bites to kill a, a yes. drop down velvet boat? Yeah, 100 percent. I get a thousand um, chigger bites to shoot a yearling. What are you talking about, man? Yeah. So, it's, yeah. <laughs> It's just one of those things, and a lot of people don't want to put in the work. And where I was going was not appealing to the eye. Yeah. Um, and you know, I don't want to talk too much on that, but that's just kind of. I drove. I drove around the second or the first afternoon. I got done. Got done with a buck. I actually cleaned him, caked him out. Um, I was able to use my joiner die knife. Uh, that was the first deer I was able to clean with it. It did outstanding. Um, we appreciate their um support for the podcast, for the show. Um, so if y'all haven't, you know, go check out join or die, see what they offer. They have a lot of different knives. I think each one of us has a different one of their knives and we all, we all thoroughly enjoy it. Um, so I'm ready to use mine on another deer whenever that, whenever that happens, you know, but, uh, clean them up. And I went out that afternoon. I said, well, I'm just going to drive around, you know, try to try to help the guys at camp, you know, find a deer. If I, if I could see a deer in the field and try to replicate, what I did, well, what I found was the spots that I had cameras in or that I'd scouted, there was like maybe a car at the parking lot. You know, all these other areas had like seven to eight trucks at the parking lot. So I was doing something a lot different than everybody else. But, and, and what, what sucked is when somebody would be like, well, what, what are you doing? I didn't want to talk. You know, I didn't want to say too much because then it just, you know how it goes. It kind of gets blown out of proportion. And I've had that happen to me one too many times where, because I'm, I'm proud of what I find. Like I want to tell people like, Hey, look, you know, Hey, look at this, look what I found. But at the end, like I worked my butt off for that. Like that, that's kind of my holy grail. You know, I'm going to hold on to that. So if y'all think people are being selfish or, you know, whatnot, no, they're not. They just work the butt off and, 
they don't want to give you a pen to go in and kill something they worked hard for. But I have a select group of people that I'll I'll do that. And y'all are some of them and some of my buddies are some of them as well. So that's kind of what we did. And, uh, you know, out of the three guys, you know, two of them had opportunities to kill one of them killed. And it was a, it was a hunt that I'll always remember. Um, that's for sure. Well, real quick, you said, you mentioned, you mentioned, uh, join or die knives. Um, we talked about this the first time we tried to uh, record this podcast, but, we're doing a giveaway with them. So I don't know the exact details of when and what knife we're giving away, um, but we're probably going to launch that pretty soon. Um, it's a seasonal promotion for deer season. So uh, if you guys want to use the promo code SOCO hunt with join or die to get 10% off your order. Uh, but if you're a patron, get ready. You're about to have your name thrown into a hat for uh, I think one of the baddest knives on the market. So uh, Matthew, I appreciate that natural segue that you just, you know, it's uh it's easy to be natural when you're actually using the product (laughs) you know and that's that's what we love about all of our sponsors we use i mean you've heard us mention Botech in here we've got joiner die we got tethered who shoot we use the crap out of their stuff um Mm -hmm. all my stuff i had this week was was tethered based whether it be the fast pack phantom one sticks you know all all the good stuff and it really really helps when you have have the right gear to make make things happen um no doubt yeah yeah you're right whenever you're using it and you have the confidence of it i mean it just it makes the makes the plug real easy um but we want to say thank you to all those folks we want to say thank you again to the patrons matt if you if you have one singular i used to do this on every chasing tales episode I'm going to conclude it. You're the guest of of tonight's honor. If you have one singular piece of advice that you want people to take away from this hunt in particular, what is it? Todd, get your notebook out. Mm, I'd probably say time because that's, that's really all this hunt is attested to is my time in the woods, whether it be me working in the woods as a timber buyer, seeing things on a day-to-day basis to see how these deer shift um, seeing different sign, knowing what to look at, whether it be that browse, you know, if I wouldn't have seen that browse, I may have backed out of there and said, I'm not going to hunt this area, but I put time in last year, put time in Alabama, put time in scouting. I mean, one day we did, we walked 14 miles one day, you know, just scouting. That may not be a lot to some folks, but that was a lot for me on a weekend trip. And, uh, yeah, so, so time is the number one, one asset really to hone your skills. I love it. I, that that is the core tenant of every every mm-hmm. consistent killer. Whether it's Dave Owens for turkey, whether it's Brett Smashburn for 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 deer, it does not matter. It seems like the universal denominator for most good killers yep. is the fact that they have that time invested. Um, it's the most scarce resource. I'm sorry, you can buy all kinds of advantages, but you, I mean, you know. The whitetail experience talks about sometimes buying that extra day of PTO. He'll he'll work overtime so he can get that extra day of PTO, so he can just have one more opportunity or two more opportunities in the woods. And the more time goes on, I am looking forward to finding some some groove with the podcast to where I can have a little more time because I'd love to tag along with you guys more. I really would. It's uh, it, it it's fun. It's it's nice to be able to be flexible to scout. And I I think I think we did an episode with you, Brett, on Southern Ground last year um and we got talking to you about the time you spend in the woods and you keep a log of how many hours you spend scouting uh versus hunting and it was very impressive to me to see 
you know, how much time you, you spend scouting. A lot of people will look at summer scouting and be like, oh, it's a waste of time because the deer are going to shift. Well, you're scouting for that shift. You're you're putting all your stuff and checking those areas you want to be in before the season so that you're not in there mucking it up when they're actually in there. You know the exact time to get in there. So, Brett, you're a good testament to time in the woods because it because it pays off and you're going to have you're going to have a limited time this year you've got you know your boy that's about to be born so you've keyed in these spots over the years that hopefully you know the week you need to be in there and you can capitalize on it yeah i feel like i do um i mean go along with that you know like you said i try to put that time in right after for more of your pre-rut late season stuff and and uh, use our summertime scouting just to find some hot food sources for early season. And that way I've stayed out of all those, what I would call hot spots or your best spots until the time's actually yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, but it, it pays dividends. Also, yeah, for sure. I also I think- had a... Uh, you were talking about lists, so I was just looking back at my notes, and as a Patreon Discord, um, you know, our Patreon Discord group, we have a total of eight big game kills, like killed and recovered. That's awesome. We're, Already we're this like, year? Yeah. Yep. Oh, man. And two that's of them are gators. gators. I was about to say that's a little bit different. Big game means gators too, and it's gator season. Yeah. So we got some, <laughs> some some true Florida crackers out there doing hell. But you know, I think I think I want to just say one thing, and this is for like the the new guys out there, the guys that find themselves in a rut. Matt, you know, you you said Brett's out there scouting, and a lot of people say you shouldn't be out there scouting because they're going to shift, dude. I'm going to tell you right now, just scout when you have the opportunity, whether it's mm-hmm. summer or not. What you're looking for might change. It doesn't matter when, if it's if it's a month after the season, the middle of July, the middle of December, if you feel like you got the opportunity to go out there and learn something about that area, take advantage of it because you're going to come away with something. It might be a fainter trail. It might not stand out to you quite as well, but you knew they were using it to come deer season. They'll probably use it again. It might be acorn crap, uh, caps underneath the tree. You know that white oak had a bumper crop this year. Good chance it might not next year, but it's a producing oak tree. So drop a pin on it and come back and check on it. Right. You know, like there's just little things that you stack over time and maybe you get to scout postseason one year and preseason the next year or in season the year after that. You're just going to stack institutional information there. I mean, I, I the self-proclaimed okayest hunter of this group, you know, I went this past weekend and put four or five years worth of intel together and found a pattern in the bottom put a camera up and immediately got deer pictures right i mean that's just because of all the time i've spent in that bottom um and encouragement from brett and parker being like dude this spot is worth the time and the investment so um a lot of people get really hung up on well i can't hunt i can't scout right now so i'll just wait well just go take you yeah. take you a camel pack and get out there yeah you're gonna be hot either way you yeah. hard worker in the woods better go do that's it that's right that's right. Now I get your honey do list done because you want to be you really want to be deer hunting, but still, you know, get out there. So unless you guys have any parting wisdom, let's let's put a pin in this. I, I think I'm good. I appreciate y'all letting me share the story again. And then man, it was a uh hunt of a lifetime and hopefully I can kill a couple more deer this year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope you do too. Although if you don't the rest of the year, I won't feel sorry for you. 
Um, <laughs> if you haven't already, go do go do uh, uh, Matt some love and check out his Kentucky video. As of right now, he's knocking on the door of 10,000 views, uh, which is like the biggest joy for me is to see that so many people are enjoying what we're putting out there, what Matt in this instance put out there for you guys to watch. Um, I think we've got some of the the finest Southern content you're going to find out there right now. And uh, we got a bunch of it. we got a video dropping. When's that video going to drop? Is it tomorrow when they're hearing this? Yeah, it'll drop tomorrow. There you go. So uh, every week on Tuesdays, you've got content coming on the main podcast feed. On Thursdays, you're going to get a live from the fire up, update. Only one. So if all four of us have an update, three of those are going to go exclusively to Patreon members, but one of them will go to the main feed on Thursdays. And then at some point every week, you're going to be getting a deer video. So um, I told you all we had a bunch of stuff coming. I didn't know about some of it, but like, dude, we're cranking it out for you guys. I hope you guys are looking forward to the fall as much as I am. So until next time, y'all get outside and enjoy the great outdoors.